Today is All Saints Sunday. All Saints Day, this upcoming Tuesday, November 1st, is intended to remember Christian people of all times and places who have shaped us, the community of faith. It's a day on the church calendar when we recognize the manifold gifts of all the faithful living and departed. We are part of the body of Christ throughout all time and space. Nadia Boltzweber writes, of, writes this of the celebration of All Saints Sunday. Apart from those who have fallen in combat, Americans tend to forget our ancestors and we spend as little time as possible publicly mourning them. But in the church, we do the very odd thing of proclaiming that the dead are still a part of us, a part of our lives, and even an animating presence in the church. St. Paul describes the saints as a great cloud of witnesses. So when they have passed, we still hold them up, hoping perhaps that their virtues, their ability to have faith in God in the face of an oppressive empire or a failing crop or the blight of cancer might become our own virtue, our own strength. Following on last week's parable, we arrive to another story of a tax collector and an unusual passage to focus upon on All Saints Sunday. Instead of a text like the great roll call of faith in Hebrews 11 that contains a whirlwind tour of all the faithful, the heroes of the, of the faith, a sweeping look at God's people down through the ages who struggled yet remained faithful. Or a text like Daniel 3, when we see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego holding on to faith, faith when faced with overwhelming odds. Today, on All Saints Sunday, the lectionary calendar has for us, in the gospel text, another story about a despised tax collector. Perhaps the most beloved of all despised tax collectors, Zacchaeus. Let's turn our attention now to the reading of God's word from Luke's Gospel, chapter 19. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, he has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of all my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts and our minds, may it all be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer, 
Amen. Zacchaeus appears just once in the New Testament, and the story is brief. It's the famous story of a wee little man that some of you learned in Sunday school. <laughs> that children's Sunday school song has been rattling around in my head all week. <laughs> there is now a buzz about Jesus. He has healed people of their diseases. His fame is spreading and people want to get close to him. We're told that Zacchaeus is short. That is why when Jesus was reported to be en route to uh, Jericho on his way to Jerusalem and the crowd begins to gather to be able to catch a glimpse. Zacchaeus makes the decision to climb a tree to get a good look. I can't hear this passage without thinking of a particular Sunday morning many years ago when I was living in Los Angeles. There were hundreds of people in worship every Sunday who were connected to the entertainment industry at the church where I worshiped, Bel Air Presbyterian Church. But on this particular Sunday, there apparently was someone especially well-known on campus. We learned this when we exited worship that morning only to see the ridiculous sight of paparazzi hanging in a tree <laughs> in order to get a glimpse of a celebrity. Zacchaeus goes to great lengths to catch a glimpse of Jesus. With singular purpose, Zacchaeus runs ahead and climbs a sycamore tree to put himself in a position to see Jesus. In doing so, he exposes himself to ridicule in two ways. Culturally, it was undignified for an adult man to run and a person of his high stature, his position, sure wasn't seen climbing trees. But he's determined to do what he has to do in order to see Jesus. Consider with me for a moment the perspective of the crowd. Remember our story last week when a Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Thieves, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. As John noted last week, a tax collector is the worst kind of person collaborating with the enemy to enrich himself at the expense of others. Zacchaeus is successful, very successful, at being unethical and oppressing others. In fact, he's so successful, he's been promoted and is now the chief tax collector, which means he is one of the most despised people in that town. No one in the crowd is going to stand aside to help Zacchaeus. And now Zacchaeus, of all people, who participates in a very corrupt, corrupt tax system, who is crushing your way of life, is the one Jesus chooses to be the host during his stay in Jericho, which angers, of course, and stuns the crowd. I can so easily put myself in their position, can't you? Many of us are aware of how other people need to change. It bugs us when people get grace that they do not deserve. 
It is irritating when people get away with things that are not right. We love grace when it applies to us. Now try to put yourself in Zacchaeus' shoes. Zacchaeus risked ridicule and public embarrassment by hiking up his robe and running, not to mention climbing a tree. And maybe, just maybe, he does so because he longs to be made well and whole and to have a more meaningful life. Being a tax collector was not an easy job for him because of the nature of the business and the way others treated him. It's hard to be among the marginalized ones. What caught the attention of Jesus was Zacchaeus' passion to see Jesus. People who seek Jesus tend to find out that it was actually Jesus who was seeking them all along. Jesus sees Zacchaeus. Knowing who he was, what he did, Jesus saw this man, called out to him, and invited himself to be a guest in Zacchaeus' home. There were clear rules for observant Jews about the kind of people that they could eat with. Jesus saw Zacchaeus, though, and decided that they should be friends. He's aware that doing so will challenge those present to broaden their ideas of who gets to be included in the circle of God's favor and grace. He knows Zacchaeus is aware of his failings and shortcomings, of the ways he has missed the mark of loving God and loving neighbor. Jesus also knows that what unlocks repentance is love. I'd like to share with you about my friend Chris. Back in Los Angeles, I first met Chris when she came to the church office one day. I was at work that day looking for someone to talk with and, and to pray with her. Chris was a prostitute. And to look at her, you might think that that might be true. She lived with a lot of wounds from her family of origin. Her dad had been a pastor who ultimately struggled with alcohol addiction. God, for her, had always been a punishing God. She was struggling with nightmares, with shame, with not feeling safe, and with an awareness of spiritual warfare and evil all around her. She had recently left the adult entertainment industry where she had thrived economically for six years. She gave up, uh, gave up everything that she knew, including financial stability in a very expensive city. Because she had an encounter with the living God who rescued her from destruction. But it was just the beginning of a challenging season of transformation because Chris was struggling to find honorable work. She needed women to help her to relearn how to present herself in a new and healthy way. She was struggling to trust men. She needed some men to befriend her and to care for her and to show her what a friendship with a man might look like. She needed the body of Christ to take a chance on her and not to judge her, but to love her with God's extravagant love. 
And the question I have for us this morning is where would Chris and others like her go to church? This church is full of good people who really love God. But would we struggle, I wonder, having Chris here spending time with our kids and talking with our husbands, our boyfriends, and our dads? I know we would be happy to have the recovered Chris, but would we welcome the recovering Chris? She needs a 12-step church like AA, where people who live with alcohol addiction go to recover. They don't need to be fully recovered and cleaned up before they attend AA. All are welcome. Can we covenant be that kind of community? Can we be the kind of church where one recovering sinner extends mercy to another recovering sinner in recovery? Can we recognize that we are all people on whom God is at work? Yesterday, some of us gathered for Sue Brewer's memorial service. She was a part of the Covenant family for over 30 years. She had a great capacity to think of others. Prone to go the extra mile, she routinely went above and beyond what is necessary. From childhood, Sue's faith was such a part of her life and her living. She and her husband, Joe, were involved in church plants in Lockhart and down in the valley. She devoted herself to one of our beloved mission partners, Manos de Cristo, which empowers and serves low-income families. It was delightful to learn yesterday the story of how longtime family friend, deceased covenant member Tom McGee baptized all four of Sue and Joe's children down at First Pres Harlingen. Tom, who had a penchant for red socks and wearing a cap bearing his first name habitually assumed the best in people. More than anything, he showed us what unconditional love looks like. This morning, we give thanks for the community of faith. We stand on the shoulders of others who encourage us to live faithful lives. We give thanks for how their lives still speak. We give thanks for how they walked by faith in their own distinct way, showing us that faith is to be embodied and that love is an action, laying oneself down in service and sacrifice. This day, we bear witness to the resurrection and to a continued story, believing that those who have gone before us, that they are now a part of that great cloud of witnesses, cheering us on, urging us forward until our race is finished too so that we can be a faithful presence in God's world. Included in that great cloud of witnesses are unlikely saints, like tax collectors and prostitutes, helping us to understand that what makes us saints of God is not our ability to be saintly, but God's ability to work through sinners. Or in the words of Frederick Beekner, the feet of saints are as much of clay as everyone else's, 
and their sainthood consists less of what they have done than what God has for some reason chosen to do through them. Our stories may contain events that bring us shame. We may have huge regrets in times of moral failure. We've all been there, we've all fallen short. Friends, Jesus knows your whole story and he loves you anyway. In God's eyes, what is most precious and valuable about you is not your failure or sin. And Jesus never gives up on his disciples, no matter how great their shortcomings. Today we celebrate not that we have it all together, but that the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. For united we are in the truth that Jesus is the hero of our story. God works extraordinary miracles in the lives of very ordinary people, and no one is beyond the reach of God's friendship. Shortly, we will engage in a tradition of this community, the reading of the names of those who have died this past year. Our lives contain many rituals. They give us a sense of belonging. I encourage you this week to take some time to engage in the work of remembering. Think about someone who has shaped you, who has formed your faith, living or deceased, Someone who has graced your life with their example and, your, and their love. Who has inspired you? What is worthy of imitation? How did they reflect God's love and help you to grow? And as you remember, examine your own life as well. What markers of God's presence are you leaving behind on the trail for those who will come after you? Friends, in our brokenness and failures, Jesus says, come and be with me. The Lord desires relationship with you, you who are more loved than you dare imagine. The invitation is always there for all of us, for God's grace is available for all. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, Jesus says, I've got a really big kingdom. And I want you to be a part of it. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. God, thank you for loving us and for your relentless pursuit. May love so pure change our lives. God, we are very mindful this morning of those who have already finished the race that you gave them to run. May the witness of their lives give us courage and inspire us to persevere and to live faithful lives. You are the hero of our stories. To you be all honor, glory, and praise this day and forevermore. And together, all of God's people, we say, amen. amen.